This is an ABC podcast. Natasha Mitchell here with Science Friction. Hey, have you voted yet for National Science Week? The vote is on to find Australia's favourite native tree. And we have so many, so many unique beauties. So I reckon this is going to get controversial. One of my favourites, red ironbarks, didn't even make the list. I reckon we've all got a, a tree, a native tree that uh, is entwined in our lives in some way that we have a story around that could be our favourite. So vote now. In the first round, head to abc.net.au slash trees. And we are all about tree stories this month across the ABC. And surely the final winner could be the tree at the heart of today's saga on science friction. It's one from our archive where nations will be pitted against nations. There are some people who are still stroppy about it. Deals will be thrashed out in back rooms. Look, I don't think I'd be overstating things if I said that this was a pretty divisive issue. There will be accusations of cultural imperialism. I wouldn't be surprised if they were remained angry for decades. And allegations of vote stacking. It seemed kind of amusing at first, but then we realised that there was much more to it. Right, are we going all UN Security Council here on Science Friction this week? Well, we are heading to war, yes, but the battle isn't over borders or trade. It's over. The first day of September is now National Wattle Day. Proclaimed as Australia's national floral emblem. May they have their nights in Naples or their days in sunny Spain. I would rather be returning where the wattle blooms again. The colour of the baggy green. And the Guernsey of the Wallabies rugby team. Wattle has become a symbol of Australian unity. And the Cootamandra Wattle is my friend. As Wattle blossoms bring it back again. Yep, it's the green and gold in our sporting arenas, the explosion of yellow on our coat of arms. Wattle, with its scientific name, Acacia is our national flower and the relationship runs deep. It saps seeds and wood have served and sustained First Nations Australians for millennia. So wattle is our plant. You can't argue with that. Or can you? Alan, when did your own relationship with the Acacias begin? I'm born in Africa, so at birth, the English people they immediately think of tree as oak. Africans immediately think of tree as acacia. They're pretty much the a symbol of Africa. This is Alan Schwartz with science journalist Belinda Smith, who's joining me on today's show. Alan is a designer who founded and runs the Mesembeet Forest Conservation Program in Mozambique. And acacias are all around him. There's something which we have identified with since biblical times. You know, if you think of Ethiopia, it was trading acacia products at the time of Solomon and Sheba. <laughs> So acacias are as much African icons as they are Australian, right? But one of these two continents is about to have that iconic status stripped away in this story. Hey, Belle, we're about to take people inside the Wattle War. We are, and I had no idea how controversial a plant could be. There are more acacia species than any other tree in Australia. There's around a 1,000, which is more than double the number of eucalyptus species. 
You know, wattle is the smell of my childhood. One whiff of it sends me straight back. I even grew up on acacia trees. You know, my netball and rowing uniforms were green and gold. I adore wattle. I've got this little acacia acinacea out the front of my place and it explodes into this you know, fluffy yellow firework display every winter. It's absolutely stunning. The wattle war, though, wasn't waged between soldiers. No. Going into battle are botanists and taxonomists. And we're starting in Africa. Top on the list of elephant food, besides stealing my oranges, is Feldovia albidia, which is an acacia, you know, what we call anna tree. That's its first choice of what tree it wants to eat. Africa's been home to around 130 acacia species. Acacias are pretty diverse, as is Africa. There's the sort of classic tourist silhouette of the sunset, which is usually an acacia karoo. Africa consists of some of the most barren deserts, and you will find where there's water, it will be easy to recognise from a very long distance because you'll have things like the acacia galpini, that's monkey thorn. And then you go to the tropics where I am, where you get things like the knob thorn, which is a case in the Grandsons. Acacias pop up on other continents too, but it was an African species that was first given the scientific name acacia back in the mid 1700s. And, you know, when you're down at your local nursery, you'd have noticed that plants come with a double-barrelled name. The first name is the generic name, or the genus, and the second is the specific name, or species name. And the bloke who really got this naming system going was Swedish scientist Carl Linnaeus. Linnaeus had a fair bit of hubris, it must be said. His, his, uh, his tombstone, the epitaph on his tombstone, which was written by him before he died, was God created... Linnaeus arranged. Dr Kevin Tealy, ex-head of the Western Australian Herbarium and director of Taxonomy Australia. He saw himself as being subsidiary to God, but, you know, up there. And Linnaeus's godlike act in our story is he was one of the first to formally apply the name acacia to a plant. And that very first plant, the original acacia, is what's called the type species of the genus acacia. Now, The type species is a really big deal in biology because it becomes a reference point that helps scientists, like botanists, classify and name other species in that genus. And as it happens, the acacia type species, it was African. A thorny little tree with yellow puffball flowers and feathery leaves called Acacia nolotica. And once a type species is set in science, that's it. Usually. It's the rule of priority. It gives honour to the first person to work something out. And so when Africa stakes a claim on acacia, it's pretty clear why. Enter Bruce Maslin. With another botanist, Dr Tony Orchard, Bruce is about to lob a grenade into our story, one that will split the world's botanical community. He dedicated his 50-year career at the Western Australian Herbarium to just one plant group, Australian acacias. That's quite unusual these days. In the year 2000, a crucial DNA study comes out. This paper in particular, it showed that based on genetic evidence, acacia was not a homogenous genus, or a homogenous group, I should say. It was at least five genetically distinct groups. 
one big Australian group of acacias to smaller groups mostly found in Africa and Asia and the rest across the Americas. And the African and Australian acacias, they were only very, very distantly related. We're talking last common ancestor millions of years ago. That's when the two continents were joined in the one big supercontinent, Gondwanaland. We published a proposal in an international journal. And it was a doozy. Bruce and Tony said the type species for acacia should be Australian, not African. Our proposal was to conserve the name acacia with a new Australian type. And this would mean all African acacias would lose their name. This did not go down well with Africa. For 250 years, Africa had been the keeper of the original acacia, the type species. So shouldn't it stay with them? And it's a perfectly reasonable argument, of course. But one that didn't convince Bruce and Tony. Another thorny issue about their proposal was thorns. African forest conservationist Alan Schwartz. Yeah, so I mean, how can you have a thorn tree with no thorns? I mean, the logic is, is missing. So acacia is something that one generally associates with certain kinds of trees that are thorny. And that's because the word acacia comes from the Greek akis, meaning thorn. This is Dr Priya Rangan. She's a political ecologist at the University of Melbourne and studies how people have shuttled plants around the world. So the type specimen was acacia nilotica, right? And, I mean, you go back in history, you go back to the earliest, earliest records of plants in Latin and you look at the diagrams and you will see the very first illustrations of acacia are shown beautifully with thorns and with their little pom-pom yellow flowers and so on and so forth. So, I mean, you know, the, the argument is pretty straightforward whether you're a botanist or anyone. Most African acacias have thorns, but very few Australian acacias do. And indeed, you know, the, the Australian acacias were named acacia only because they seem to have similar leaves and many of them produced flowers that looked similar. But they weren't very thorny. Thorns aside, for Australians Bruce and Tony, the merit of their claim ultimately came down to numbers. Australia had two-thirds of the world's acacia species. Bruce Maslin. There were over a 1,000 species uh, in the Australian group. And in the group of plants that contain the first acacia, the African type species? There was only 160 odd species. So just around a tenth of the Australian acacias. So by weight of numbers, we certainly had more species. And on that basis, he felt Australia had the more valid claim to the name acacia. Because just imagine the admin nightmare of trying to rename over a thousand species. So... Bruce and Tony's controversial proposal was Australia keeps the name and the rest of the world, including Africa, relinquishes. The alternative would be Australia gives up the name and we'd need to replace it with something else. The something else was a genus name called Racosperma. Racosperma? Um, Racosperma. Yeah, Racosperma. 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 Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Bruce Maslin. The word actually means sperm refers to seeds, 
Brachus means like an axis, so what it really refers to is that the seeds in the pods are arranged in a linear fashion. That's what the name means. Not quite as melodic as acacia, is it? It was a Queensland botanist called Les Pedley who first proposed renaming Aussie acacias as Racosperma back in the 1980s because he thought the genus acacia needed splitting up. Not much came of it at the time, but the name kind of stuck around in the scientific literature. And everyone said it sounded dreadful. So, skipping ahead now to 2003. Bruce and Tony's proposal hits the international botanical community. And for many, it does not go down well. Political ecologist Priya Rangan. This was just one more example of colonial hubris. And, you know, many people pointed out that nobody in Australia calls them acacias, they call them wattles. There was that very, very strong sense that this was, you know, just a kind of a neo-colonial push by the Australians to just assert dominance over a genus name. Names have emotional resonance. Kevin Tealy knows this better than most. He triggered a botanical controversy when he and colleagues reclassified a plant genus, a Western Australian classic, Dryandra, and lumped them in with Banksias on the basis of DNA studies. People were furious, and Kevin really felt the heat. And I can imagine that if someone came to me and said, we have just made a determination that your daughter, Sophie, will be renamed Margaret, I'd be pretty stroppy about it. And... In some ways, that's what happens when taxonomists reclassify. Sometimes a reclassification requires us to change a name. People have grown fond of that name. They've, you know, memorised it. They know it. It means something to them. And then it all changes. But scientists like Kevin and Bruce can't change a plant's genus name just because they want to, especially a group of plants with international reach like acacias. Remember, this is science. There are rules to follow. And the acacia proposal had to get through committees. It's now 2004. First up is the specialist committee. Really didn't matter what the committee, how they decided, they were going to, they were going to disappoint some people somewhere. 15 experts from around the world gather and cast their votes. They were in an invidious position, an impossible position, quite frankly. They had never had to deal with such an issue previously, right? This was the first time. And, um, yeah, I felt very sorry, quite frankly, for the people involved. Oh, come on, you started it. You can't feel that sorry for them. Um, that's a fair... I'll take I can, <laughs> I can, I can take that on. The Australian proposal to claim the acacia name as theirs just scrapes through by the skin of its teeth. Then it was time for the General Committee to debate and vote on the proposal. And again, it only barely gets past that one too. Then comes the big one in 2005. The International Botanical Congress on the banks of the Danube in Vienna. This is where the world's botanists share discoveries, obsess over botanical details, debate controversies, and put important matters to the vote. Like, who gets to call the acacia type species and the name their own. And this one really got people riled up. Look, I don't think I'd be overstating things if I said that this was a pretty divisive issue within the uh, international botanical community. And the community was pretty well split over what they thought about these alternatives. 
yes, there was a motion. And so before the Vienna Congress, did you have any idea or even an inkling of which way the vote would go? Oh, gosh, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely not. So vote day comes and look, these are often really boring procedural votes. You know, people fall asleep in these things. But this one, this felt tense. People were on edge. Allegiances had been declared. Some Australians didn't support the Australian case, and some African botanists did. The voting cards were collected, counted, and the result sent a ripple through the room. Something of a silence. The the whole atmosphere was uh, people trying to be dignified about it and to do this in an uh, orderly manner. Paul von Reichervossel, a Dutch specialist in plant naming, was there. 55% had actually voted against the Australian bid, a majority. Yet the Australian proposal won. And afterwards, there were several people who came to me who were feeling very strongly. They were feeling that they they were robbed. How is that result right? Well, the Congress's voting rules needed a 60% vote against the Australian proposal to stop it from passing. Australian botanist Kevin Teeley. Which to me makes sense. It's a check and balance, if you like. The vote meant the type species of acacia would be Australian. Africa would have to let it go. But the issue was so emotive, so controversial. Well, for me at least, I, I knew right away that this wasn't going to be resolved here. This is Dr Gary Moore. He's a botanist with the US Department of Agriculture. Even though I didn't have a strong opinion about the proposal itself, I felt that what happened there to me and my sense of, of the way meetings should be run, I was still troubled by this moving something through the meeting as approved, even though it only got a 45% vote. So contentious was the fallout. The acacia question was put back on the agenda. But the next Congress was six years away, so the campaigning started. There were heated debates online and in journals. Neither side would give up their precious acacia without a fight. And so, in 2011, the world's botanists gather again, and this time in Melbourne. The tensions were running high. Kevin Teeley was there, flying the Australian flag. There were sort of national groupings, there were delegations, various proposals were being thrashed out in meetings behind the scenes, various compromises were being explored. Compromises like both continents get to keep a version of the name Acacia, or neither get it at all. There was shuttle diplomacy going on. It was it was the most extraordinary experience. And when the final vote came, Africa lost. And this time, the result was beyond doubt. Of the 545 votes cast, 373 voted to stick with the Vienna decision. That's almost 70%. Even so... They were taken aback. Political ecologist Priya Rangan's friends couldn't believe it. There was so much disappointment and so much... uh, There was just so upset. The people who were representing the African and then the Asian and the American botanists. It just felt so kind of colonial, you know? It felt so neo-colonial, the way that decision and the way things panned out. I can understand absolutely the reaction of the Africans in particular. 
acacia in Africa is an iconic species. Kevin Teeley, Taxonomy Australia Director. Australian bottles, acacias, are hated in Africa because there are a number of extremely serious environmental weeds in Africa. You know, some of the worst weeds in Africa are Australian acacias. So they had to forego the scientific name for this iconic group of plants while retaining it for these hated weeds. I can understand that they were stroppy. The new name is considered absolute BS. Alan Schwartz from Mozambique, for one, is stroppy. I wish the people who wasted all of their time on it actually did something to advance the field of knowledge about trees. It's like in South Africa at the moment, they're changing the names of all the highways, but they couldn't be bothered to fix the potholes. It's, I put it in the same field as that. Are you saving the environment? Are you saving forests in the world? No. You're renaming trees. I mean, really. People on the African side felt so robbed, there were even accusations of vote stacking. You know, I mean, Australians have a track record of cheating. I mean, even bowl underarm in a test cricket match. The claim was the Australian side had a home ground advantage. And many botanists from low-income countries couldn't afford to get there to vote in person. But Kevin Teeley says proxy votes were allowed by absent member institutions and also that official scrutineers ensured everything was above board. But also when you took out all the Australian votes and you considered this from a global perspective, a clear majority of delegates from all around the world voted in favour of the Acacia decision that had been made in Vienna. So that was actually really important because it showed that it wasn't just that the meeting was stacked. So we certainly don't imagine that the meetings are perfect. But I think any criticisms around the Melbourne process that somehow Australia was overrepresented simply have no ground in reality. And so it was decreed. The new type species would be the Australian Acacia peninervis. And all African acacias would have to be renamed Senegalia or Vicelia. The former type species, Acacia nolotica, would become Vicelia nolotica. But Alan Schwartz from Mozambique says many, including him, have refused to use the new names since the decision. He thinks the scientific community has lost sight of the wood for the trees on this one. When you do scientific stuff, do it with a purpose of increasing knowledge and increasing the practicalities of life for ordinary people and for the planet. As far as I'm concerned, it doesn't matter what some bunch of self-indulgent scientists call it. It's the people who use it, the people who live in the forest. What they call it is what counts. Yeah, you know, there are 54 countries in Africa. All of them have acacias. Yeah, not just the flat-topped one. I mean, that's one of the classics, but there are lots of this. Every shape that a tree can have, acacias have got. But for Kevin Teeley, reclassifying and renaming plants is not about scientists being self-indulgent. This is how science works. It needs to be able to adapt to new evidence, regardless of cultural or emotional attachments. And in the case of acacias, the genetics were compelling enough to push for this change. It's really important for us to have our scientific names reflecting our knowledge of relationships. Scientific names are the basis upon which we do an enormous amount of important work, conservation, ecology, research. We can only understand nature and biodiversity correctly if our scientific names are right. It's still perfectly okay for the Africans to use the common name acacia. They can still call it thorny acacia. 
It's just that its scientific name is now Vachelio, something rather, or Senegalia, you know, X, rather than Acacia. Even so, Priya argues that this was a lost opportunity for scientists to really interrogate the cultural meaning and weight of their work and to better understand the relationships that communities have with the subjects of their research. I would have thought if they wanted to be creative or disrupt the naming conventions in a new way, in a decolonizing way, if you want to think about it that way, then think of a nice, beautiful sounding indigenous name that has been used for these acacias here and use that as the new genus name. It's not like it hasn't been done elsewhere in the world. So many of the sort of Linnaean classifications, the taxonomies, you know, they have adopted genus names which are from those local languages. Like, for example, tamarind, from, derived from an Arabic word, which is tamar al-hind, right? And so it would have been so beautiful to have those names and those stories told for each one of those trees. That's Priya Rangan from the University of Melbourne. Rounding off that saga with Belinda Smith now, will Wattle win the vote for Australia's favourite tree? You get to decide. Vote now at abc.net.au slash trees for National Science Week. You're going to hear a whole stack of terrific tree stories right across the ABC throughout August. We are celebrating Australia's native trees, including here on Science Friction, where I'll be delving into the secret life of trees with some incredible scientists and thinkers. I'll be back with you next week to do that. I'm Natasha Mitchell. Catch you then. Bye. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.